Well, our special speaker today is Dr. Leon Blanchett. Dr. Blanchett has served as our interim children's pastor and a vital member of our staff. Ordained as an elder in 1993, he has served as a uh, pastor, uh, children's pastor, for over 18 years prior to teaching at Olivet. Dr. Planchette is the chair of the um, Department of Christians Ministry and serves as the director of Children's Ministry Program and the Family Ministry Graduate Degree Program. He teaches in the Christian education field and specializes in children's and family ministry. With his spare time, he, uh, Dr. Blanchett serves as a uh, board member of the Church of the uh, 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 Nazarene Children's Leadership Network for the General Church of the Nazarene worldwide. He has a uh, uh, he, he is his wonderful wife Terry have two wonderful daughters Sarah and Emily. Let's show him the honor and the respect as he comes to share the word with us, Dr. Leon. Blanchett. That was strange. <laughs> because I'm one of us, so, but thank you, that's kind. Um, thanks. Well, it's uh, almost Christmas. Two days? Yeah, two days? Anybody excited yet? Okay, good. Well, we have some important things to do first before we get there, okay? So you guys hang with me today? All right, good. All right, I've asked some friends to uh, share from God's Word today. They're going to read from the Gospel of John, chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God, he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Very good, thank you. You guys go back to your seats, thanks. Good job. The Word became flesh and made its dwelling among us. Simple little phrase, but what power. The message says it this way, the Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. That's pretty cool, right? I love that imagery, very intimate kind of imagery. Well, I'm a children's pastor at heart. I mean, I'm a professor, kind of that's what I do, but at heart I'm a children's pastor. I think I do that because I, I like kind of staying as a kid a little bit. <laughs> and all kids love Christmas, and, uh, and I do as well, and I'm sure you do. Uh, there are certain things about Christmas that I love. Uh, I love the decorating uh, of Christmas, uh, decorating inside and decorating outside. Uh, I love the parties and the festivities that come with the season, spending time with friends, getting uh, to share each other's company. 
Uh, I love that people are generally in a better mood. Now, not always, but generally in a better mood than they are usually. Uh, I'm thankful uh, for the change in daily routine. Um, So one of the wonderful things about being a professor is I have a month off for Christmas. Um, When I was a children's pastor, Christmas is one of the busiest seasons of the year. And uh, I wasn't really sure exactly what to do when I first became a professor to do that uh, because of all that free time that I had. So I filled it up. Uh, I love that people intentionally wear ugly sweaters at Christmas and wear them proudly. Uh, No other time would they do anything quite like that. I love watching Hallmark movies with my... Wait a minute. How did that get in my notes? Definitely not. (laughs) Definitely not watching Hallmark movies. Rachel. I do love being around children at this time of the year because they bring a joy and a happiness and a remembrance of what the season really is about. I also love the rituals of the church and rituals of uh, family during this time of the year. Uh, Putting up decorations the day after Thanksgiving um, had been a long tradition until we had grandkids. And, and now, I don't know what happened to that tradition, but it's, it's very different. Putting up chrismons on our Christmas tree. Now, some of you may not know what chrismons are, and if you came to my house and you know my family really well, you know of the battle we have of the trees. We have two trees in our house. We have a chrismon tree, which on it hangs symbols of Christianity, symbols that remind you of what Christmas is really about an alpha and an omega, uh, a lamb, uh, a star, uh, a shepherd's staff, all kinds of different images that remind us of Christmas. And then, of course, we have our pagan tree that has all the things the kids made that go on it. And so uh, the pagan tree belongs to my wife, and the the Christian tree belongs to me. Um, And that's just kind of how it works in our family. So that's, that's one of our traditions, and we joke about it every year, and everybody that comes to our house knows about these two trees. I love the tradition of children leading in worship. I love that we have four Sundays to focus on this one special holiday, and I love that we light Advent candles as a reminder today in particular of God's love for us. When it comes to gifts... I enjoy giving them more now than receiving them. I don't know when that transition took place. But at some point in my adult life, maybe when I had kids, I made a transition from really enjoying giving even more than receiving, watching their faces as they open the gifts and enjoying those moments. It's interesting the way things change as we get older. This year, I've been reflecting on Christmas a little bit differently. I began to think more intentionally about what actually happened that first Christmas day. I began to, began to wonder why God decided to do it the way he did. Why would he send a baby to save the world? Doesn't that seem odd to you? Now, maybe you don't think of it as odd because It's familiar, it's a story we know, we're all used to it, but think about it for just a minute. 
God became a baby. Why would he do that? Why didn't God just come as an adult? After all, his ministry only lasted three years. All he needed to do is come as an adult, do his three years, and move on. But why did he come as a baby? Perhaps he did, he did it out of love for us. I began to wonder why God would send Jesus to be born in a stable in an insignificant town like Bethlehem. Certainly there were more suitable locations for a baby to be born. Certainly there were more significant cities where he could have been born. Why did God decide that the Messiah, the Savior of the world, would be born in a stable, placed in a manger in a little-known town? Perhaps he did it out of love for us. I began to wonder why God would deliver the message that the Savior had come to a bunch of insignificant shepherds. Certainly, he could have announced it in a more glorious manner. Certainly, there were important people that needed to know that the Savior had come. Why would God choose these people to be the first to know about Jesus' birth? Perhaps he did it out of love for us. Here's what I noticed about this strange yet familiar story. God did not reach down from heaven to save us. Let me say that again, because you might be surprised by it. God did not reach down from heaven to save us. He came down to be one of us. Did you hear that? He came down to be one of us. Wow. Theologian Henry Nouwen says it this way. He did not cling to power, but emptied himself to become one of us. That reminds me of a story. And kids, uh, if you'll come right here. And uh, this, this might get a little chaotic. Just You can just have a seat right there around the chair, okay? This might be a little chaotic, but if we have any preschoolers that would like to come up, uh, we'll invite you to come too. And parents, if you'll be on the standby uh, in case we need you. But preschoolers, if you want to come, or others that aren't, weren't in the choir, okay? So let me in here, guys, just a minute. I'm going to read you guys a story, okay? Now, it's a little bit of an adult story, so you need to kind of listen really, really well, Okay? All right, awesome. For those of you who are Paul Harvey fans, you may, uh, this may be familiar to you. All right, we ready? Okay. The man to whom I'm going to introduce you to was not a Scrooge. He was a kind, decent, mostly good man. But he just didn't believe all that God became a man stuff, which churches proclaim at Christmas time. It just didn't make sense, and he was too honest to pretend otherwise. He just couldn't swallow the Jesus story about God coming to earth as a man. 
He told his wife, I'm truly sorry to distress you, but I'm not going with you to church this Christmas Eve. He said he'd feel like a hypocrite, that he'd much rather just stay at home, but that he would wait up for them. And so he stayed, and they went to the midnight service. Now shortly after the family drove away in the car, snow began to fall, and he went to the window to watch the flurries getting heavier and heavier, and then went back to his fireside chair and began to read his newspaper. Minutes later, he was startled by a thudding sound, then another, and then another. At first, he thought someone must be throwing snowballs against his living room window. But when he went to the front door to investigate, he found a flock of birds huddled miserably in the snow. They'd been caught in the storm and, in a desperate search for shelter, had tried to fly through the large landscape window. Well, he couldn't let the poor creatures lie there and freeze, so he remembered the barn where his children stabled their pony. That would provide a warm shelter if he could direct the birds to it. Quickly, he put on his coat, galoshes, tramped through the deepening snow to the barn. He opened the doors wide and turned on a light so they would know their way in. But the birds did not come in, so he figured food would entice them in. So he hurried back into the house, fetched some breadcrumbs, sprinkled them on the snow, making a trail of breadcrumbs to the yellow-lighted, wide-open doorway of the stable. But to his dismay, the birds ignored the breadcrumbs. They just continued to flop around helplessly in the snow. He tried catching them. He could not. He tried shooing them into the barn by walking around them, waving his arms. Instead, they scattered in every direction except into the warm-lighted barn. And then he realized that they were afraid of him. They were afraid of him. To them, he reasoned, I am a strange and terrifying creature. If only I could think of some way to let them know that they can trust me, that I am not trying to hurt them, but to help them. But how? Any move he made tended to frighten them, confuse them. They just would not follow. They would not be led or shooed because they feared him. If only I could be a bird, he thought to himself, and mingle with them and speak their language. Then I could tell them not to be afraid. Then I could show them the way to the safe, warm, to the safe, warm barn. But I would have to be one of them, wouldn't I? So they could see and hear and understand. At that moment, the church bells began to ring. The sound reached his ears above the sounds of the wind. And he stood there listening to the bells, pealing the glad tidings of Christmas. And he sank to his knees in the snow. Good job listening. Okay, if you are in the choir, I'm going to let you go back to your seats. And if you came up from your parents, I'm going to let you go back to them. Okay, good job.
your seat, okay? Could it be that God knew that the only way for us to not be afraid of him was for him to become one of us? Could it be that our God knew that the only way for us to see him, to hear him, and understand him was for him to become one of us? He came as a baby to experience real life with us. He did not come in luxury or pageantry. He came almost in silence, in a silent night. He did not come as an adult. He came and experienced life just the way we do. He intentionally came to be one of us. He came for the lowly, the hurting, those who have been forgotten, those who are unimportant. He came for us. Perhaps he did it out of love for us. The 1990s singer Joan Osborne in one of her songs asks, what if God was one of us? And I want to say to her and to us this morning, he was one of us. And by becoming one of us, he demonstrated his great love for us. It's really a simple story with a profound message. The story is so simple that even Linus understands. I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. That's what Christmas is all about. God coming down, becoming one of us. It really is an absurd story. It, it's nothing that you and I would have written but aren't we glad that he did it? 
And now we have the privilege to respond to that love as we are once again invited to the Lord's table. I, uh, as I was preparing for today, I, f- I found it rather interesting that of all the days for us to have communion that we would have it today. I mean, it's, uh, I don't know if you think this way much, but the Christmas story is so intimately linked with the Easter story. It's like we can't unwind these two stories from each other. Uh, beginning of Christ's life and the end of Christ's life and the things that tie those together. And so I think it's extremely appropriate that on this day we come to the Lord's table, reminding us all that he came out of love for us to become one of us so that he could die for us, which is an amazing thing. Let's pray our benediction together. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.